Welcome to School of Rock Bottom with Oliver Mason. I'm an actor, a voiceover artist and a mental health coach. And I know firsthand that Rock Bottom can be the greatest teacher and a springboard for a beautiful life. And it's this life experience, passions, all combined that have given birth to this podcast. After all, those working in the creative industries are three times more likely to have a mental health problem. And those working in performing arts and entertainment are twice as likely to suffer from depression and up to 15 times more likely to have an anxiety disorder. So as you know, I interview fellow creatives and very inspiring individuals who have hit rock bottom but survived. This is a podcast of hope and how to get out of the darkness and remain in the light. And this is a really special edition today because I am coming live and direct from the famous East Coast Radio in Durban, South Africa. And I've got the most incredible guest with me today. I have got the joyous and jubilant Justin Governor in the house. How are you doing, Justin? I'm very well, thank you, Ali. And yeah, been glad to be here today, man. Yeah. You know, I was uh, fortunate enough to be uh, in Durban and I thought, I've got to get in touch with Justin and see if he'll be kind enough to share his story with uh, our viewers and listeners back in the UK and, and all around the world. There's quite a few people that follow this in, in South Africa as well. Um, I'm just going to get straight to it, if that's all right, Justin. Um, I've asked you on because you've got an incredible story to tell. You've, you've had a rock bottom. And I'm going to start um, with you know, the hardest question of all, um, and that is to take us back to your rock bottom moment. Um, but before we do that, uh, I'm just going to give the listeners and viewers a, a very quick bio, if that's all right, okay. just so they know a bit more about you. So, so Justin Govender is the eldest of five children, born in 1978 in the small suburb of Asheville, Durban. And he had a great childhood, neither rich nor poor. He had a roof over his head, clothes on his back and a plate of food on his table. Justin is an avid sportsman and better than average student at school. And on the 16th of June, 1995, Justin was shot in the back by the police and he became a paraplegic at 17 years of age. You will discover through his journey that choices you make actually make you who you are. What was a tragic moment at the time was to become one of the most remarkable journeys of a lifetime. The motions of life hitting rock bottom and fighting battles both physically and mentally, getting knocked down and standing back up one more time than you get knocked down. This journey has taken him through all of it. A battle between man and God, accepting reality and finally making sense of everything and eventually finding his sanity. You will discover how he was brought to this place he did not want to accept. However, he went on to find himself through wheelchair basketball how Justin got involved and how it breathed new life into him was by pure luck, or as Justin would like to believe, the hand of a higher power. Justin had the absolute honour of representing his country, South Africa, at the World Championships in 2006. Wow. And two Paralympics, Beijing 2008 and London in 2012. Incredible. His team became continental champions at the inaugural All-African Games held in Algeria in 2007. They also became the first team from Africa to win a game at the Paralympics in Beijing 2008, where they narrowly lost out on a quarterfinal place against Japan in the final group game. And they went on to qualify for the Paralympics in London 2012, four years later and what became his swan song. During his sporting career, he completed his high school diploma and went on to work in retail, then banking, and finally he found his place in HR as an HR specialist recruitment consultant. Wow. So as I just mes uh, mentioned, Justin, if we could start with your your rock bottom moment, and then we're just going to kind of pan out from that point. Uh, yeah, th thanks for that, Ali. Uh, uh, I think it's you've captured most of my childhood in there, you know, and I actually got goosebumps listening to that there. But um, you know, it's sometimes people's lives are not all that sh it's made out to be. You know, and I'm very fortunate in terms of like uh, my life journey. You know, I got a reality check uh, very early on in my life. You know, and uh, if I could go back to that place, uh, I was 17. And, uh, you know, as a kid, you just make some choices to be around your friends and you want to be doing things that you've never done before. And, um, you know, unfortunately uh, for me, the choice I made on, on June 16th, uh, the 16th of June, uh, 1995, 
was uh, a poor choice, you know. Um, a couple of our friends, we were got together at a shopping center, and um, a friend of mine was approached by another guy and said that, you know, he had a key, uh, the keys to a vehicle. Uh, we jumped into the car. My friend drove the car, and a couple of meters down the line, I knew the car didn't belong to the guy that gave him the keys. Mm. And, uh, you know, with that said, you know, you could have got out, but, you know, as a kid, 17 years old, you just want to, you just want to go along for the joyride, you know? Sure. And um, to cut a long story short, about 15 or 20 minutes later, the cops gave chase uh, because a car had been reported stolen. Uh, my friend panicked. I mean, he was just a kid himself, you know? Uh, he panicked. He hit the gas. We sped up a road um, and the car swerved. We got out the car and we ran. And then 50 meters down the line, I got shot in the back. Yeah. Right. Um, look, I, I think as a kid, I kind of I, I can never justify that. You know, uh, I think when you're lying there on the uh, on that floor, you realize. I mean, the proverbial life flashing me, but uh, in front of your eyes, it actually happens. You know, you and the first thing I thought about was my parents. You know, and the first thing was that they never raised me to be somebody like that. And it, I think that's the first thing that, that hit me. It's, it's, it's so funny. I, I never thought that in, in a life experience like that or a tragic experience like that, that those were the first thoughts that came to my mind, you yeah. know. And I think it's because my parents never raised me to be that way. Um, it's, it was just a poor choice. And um, that's all I can put it down to. But um, that wasn't rock bottom. That was the beginning right. uh, of the dip. You know, and um, I think because you, for 17 years of your life, you're an able-bodied person. And then all of a sudden, this happens to you. you, you your life takes another direction. Sure. And uh, you've got <laughs> you've to learn how to adapt, man. Uh, otherwise... You'll die. Yeah. You'll literally die. And I, I think I went through the the whole motion of like, you know, feeling that like, you know, I was going to walk again. I never thought that like, you know, when I was not in the hospital or when I came out of the hospital, I always believed that I was going to walk again, you know. Yeah. But, um, and I never accepted. I, I could not accept myself. The first step was to stay alive, basically. And that wasn't in my hands. It was in the hands of doctors, it was in the hands of the capable nurses, it was in the, hand of the hands of the people that like, uh, that were literally taking care of me. Yeah. And um, I remember I, I went straight into uh, believing, I believed in God. I mean, I, I've been brought up that way, you know, and I, I yeah. believed as a higher power. Yeah. And uh, I believed I was always going to get right, huh? Uh, mm. I think another, uh, if I can go back to a, a low point in, in, in hospital was when my parents came in, you know, and my brothers and my sisters they were standing around the bed and, you know, obviously this whole thing was like such a, a, a shocker for them, you know, in terms of the fact of what happened to me, let alone the circumstance that I, I had put myself into. Right. You know, but um, I think what really shook me was when I saw my father. My father's a strong, strong person. He's he's a pretty tough guy, mm. you know. And he's a uh, other than tough, he's he's a disciplinarian. You know, my dad always taught us the right way. Yeah. But aside from being uh, tough, it's like you you get a reality check when you see your dad break down, and I think that's. That's where it brings you down to to ground level, you know. You know, you you really hurt people, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think for me that was like like one of the moments I'll never forget in my life because sure. it's it's like the first time I ever saw my father cry, you know. Yeah. Or my dad cry. My mom, I expected it from her. Yeah. But like my father, no. But um, yeah, it's it's funny. Life has some leveling moments for for all of us. Yeah, but the journey began, and mm. uh, as I said, 
the the journey after that was was four years. I just didn't accept. I couldn't accept the fact that I uh, uh, that I was on a wheelchair. I didn't accept the fact that like you know I was I was gonna be this way for the rest of my life. I always believed that I was gonna walk, Ali. Yeah. I always believed in like you know God was gonna do something. Yeah. Uh, for me until like four years later, and we used to have we used to have a um, uh, a family altar. Right. Somebody, my mom and dad are, are very, uh, uh, I wouldn't say religious, but they're faithful people. Yeah. You know, and um, I remember my dad, he'll gather the whole family around, we'll stand around our bed, and uh, my bed, and then they would pray, you know, as we'd pray as a family. And then I remember the day my father came in the one night, and I said to him, hey, Dad, I don't want you to pray anymore. I said to him, I'm, I'm tired of this, yeah. You come in your... We pray every night. We pray for the same thing, that God makes me better, you know, and that I would walk again. And I said to him, I'm tired of this. And I remember bursting into tears, uh, Ali. Mm. And it wasn't only me because I looked up and everybody else was was also feeling the same way. Yeah. I wouldn't say feeling the same way. They, they felt like, you know, I, this we can't do this yeah. You can't go forward if without God uh, and I told my dad I can't do this anymore I can't do this anymore as hard as that sounded to them they had to go out because I was upset as well yeah but I didn't mean to upset them and I think in hindsight when when I looked at it that was my rock bottom mm. that was my rock bottom it was the point where I had to do something for myself you know, I got up the next morning and, and the first thing that came to me was like, you know, you keep waiting for a miracle. You keep waiting for something to happen to you. It's time you be a miracle. It's two different things. Mm. It's, you know, in life we sit back and we wait for things to happen. And it doesn't happen that way. And in my case, I was waiting for a miracle to happen. But it wasn't coming. It was time to be that miracle. You know, I had accepted the fact that I was disabled. I accepted the fact that I had to make a life for myself. I accepted the fact that I had to now do something. And I guess when you hit rock bottom, the only way you can go is up. Absolutely. Wow. Justin, thank you, mate. I mean, what an incredible share there of what happened. It's incredibly moving. Um, I mean, what testament of your character that one of the first thoughts were about other people and actually not yourself. And it, it seemed like that, that came later, understandably. And like you say, you you just said, you know, you made a poor choice, but you paid a very high price for that. And I think lots of uh, young people, myself included, made lots of bad choices. So, you know, it was uh, certainly an extreme price to pay from, from my point of view. Um, uh, it didn't warrant uh, at all what happened to you. But... Um, there's quite a lot to unpack there. There was a lot of detail. Um, I hope you don't mind. I've done a bit of professional stalking on the internet, and I've, I've picked That's out right. <laughs> I've picked out a few little quotes that I found online. Um, one actually involved my wife in a blog as well. Some <laughs> some direct quotes. There's some other places I found it as well. I think somebody that hasn't been through, you know, such a devastating injury, listening to this wouldn't be able to imagine the physical or mental impact of something like that. And I think, obviously, you just described it very, very well. One quote that I got, if we talk about the physical aspect first, is you said, it's like being buried neck deep in wet sand. That's yeah. a quote. That sounds really terrifying. It, look, Ali, I think it's, in my case, it's, it's <clears throat> buried... Uh, just under my chest deep, you know, mm. in, uh, in sand. That's what it feels like because you're carrying your body around. Yeah. You know, you're carrying that uh, other uh, three quarters of your body mm. around. Look, but it's it's life, Ollie. Yeah. It's life. It, 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 you know, you can walk out today and something can happen to you. You know, we can pick up a, a, a different life-threatening disease along sure. the way. Yeah. But it happens. Yeah. We have to adapt. Yeah. We have to look at the, the glass half full rather than the glass half 
empty. Yeah. You know, and I think uh, uh, humans in general generally look at things in a way like, you know what, this is the end of it. But, you know, if you really sit down and you think about it, there's a solution for everything. Yeah. There's always solutions for everything. And I've never seen this, I think, at the point where I hit uh, rock bottom. I've never looked back. Yeah. I've never looked back. I mean, like... That's you, the thing. You, you've got to look forward. You've mm. got to think, you know what, uh, I, I've got to find ways of doing things from, for myself. Yeah. In my own way. Yes. You know, find yeah. your space in the world because obviously the world functions in one way for an able-bodied person mm. but i'm going to find my way and how the world's gonna how i am going to cope in this world ahead and obviously at 17 it being such a pivotal moment in anyone's life where you're you know you're, you're, you're turning into a man at that point and you're going through all those things that you are at 17 it sounds like that i don't know what it put words into your mouth, but almost depression, I guess, for four years. I don't know if you would call it a depression, but it seems like that was quite a long time you were in that state. You know, the, the moment where you're talking about your dad coming in and praying together, that, that felt very painful to hear because four, four years is a long time to be yeah. that mentally low. Did it, did it turn into sort of a, a clinical depression or, or panic attacks or, or anything like that? How, how would you describe it? I wasn't diagnosed with any uh, clinical yeah. depression. Um, I also uh, did. I knew I couldn't allow myself to get to that place. Yeah, because there were so many people around me. Yeah, the moment I put my drop my shoulders or drop my head, it it let a whole lot of people down. I always looked at it like that. Mm. You know, I let them down. And it, it was my choice that got me to that place. Mm. I just didn't want to drop my shoulders or drop my chin in terms of the people I would have let down. Yeah. Could, could I um, unpick that a little bit more? Because um, I, I read somewhere else that one of, the, one of the things that you found hard in your recovery was trying to accept, and this is a direct quote, that you did it to yourself, I think were your exact words. Was that part of the, the sadness? Were you beating yourself up? for what had happened were you sort of blaming yourself and then that just caused immense sorrow how, how did you how did you because i get the impression that you've forgiven yourself now yeah for that choice how, how did you work through that was that was that a very long process or was that something that you had to deal with within that four-year period it, it it's basically Acceptance. There's a lot of things your body goes through. Yeah. There's a lot of changes that it goes through. There's a lot of frustrating things that happen to you. Like you lose your, you lose your bowel control. You you lose control of your, uh, of your of your bladder. And uh, those are like basic things that you have uh, when you're at 17 mm. years old, mm. or when you when you're an adult. Uh, you lose those kind of things, so yeah, you you're gonna get frustrated. You get you get depressed. Uh, I would say that's the word for it. Yeah. But you need. I had to understand that, like you know, these things are gonna happen to me. I had to accept the fact that those things were going to happen to me, and it wasn't nice. Yeah. It wasn't nice, but as time goes on, you t you tend to accept those things. You tend to accept, okay, this is the situation. Now, how do I make it better? Yeah. This is where I'm at. How do I get forward or move forward or, or get better? Yeah. You know, that, that, that's the way you're thinking. And that's, that's how you start building on positivity, you know, and b building on getting better. Yeah. But I can't say that you get to that positive place without being in a without going through that yeah that depressive stage because it, it it's a springboard for where you go to Absolutely. you you either choose a negative road or you choose a positive road yeah. it's your choice at the end of the day hence <laughs> your choices make you who you are today absolutely and that's what fascinates me about this podcast and obviously my own experiences as well is that when you go to a place that's so dark you just seem to experience the light in a different way and wow didn't you you know from that 
from that rock bottom moment, the, the journey that you then went on is absolute proof of that, isn't it? And I suppose the irony is you wouldn't probably wouldn't have experienced the Olympics, for example, had it not have happened, which is what a twist of irony is that, you know? Um, and, and I think that's the thread through all the guests I've had on so far, regardless of whether their rock bottom's been physical, mental, addiction, grief, loss, whatever it is, um, is that you've got to find acceptance around whatever it is you're going through and then you can then move through it absolutely ali and i promise you that moment in my room with my whole family standing around me was the turning point for me mm -hmm. because that's when my life started moving forward in all honesty mm. i mean a couple of days later my brother came to me and he said hey you know, Jas, I want to know what do you want to do? So I said, I want to go back to school. Mm. I want to finish my matric. Mm. He, 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 he didn't say it in a lot of words. He just said, Jas, go and make a few phone calls. So, uh, I did it. Mm. I made a few phone calls. I told him I was in school. I was back in school. I studied at home. I completed my matric. That was the first, first big thing for me, you know. It was yeah. the first positive thing that happened for me like like in terms of now i'm moving forward and then a, a couple months down the line uh ali i was at uh i was at uh my physiotherapy and uh a friend of mine who had just met on an accident as well uh, i mean he wasn't a friend at the at the time but i met him through uh physio and he was driving past um the local university there and he saw a couple of guys playing wheelchair basketball. So he comes to the physio and he's like, hey, you have to come. We have to go and see this, like, you know. And uh, I never knew there was, like, sports for people with disabilities. So I told my dad about it and he came, he picked me up at about five and I went down and uh, I, I saw what it was all about. And, you know, the funny thing is uh, that was another life-changing uh uh, moment for me, mm. uh, uh, an epic moment because yeah. I was sitting on the side and I, I didn't engage in any sports with physical contact. I didn't engage in any sports. I didn't even think there was sport for people with disabilities. Yeah, and I get out there and uh, as we're watching the game, just two guys fly past us, and the one guy just flips. He gets knocked and he flips, and his chair goes rolling down right. the floor. Like, <laughs> whoa! And um, I think what he did next. Well, it actually was the story of my life. He All he did was he, he picked up the ball, got back up onto his chair, threw the ball back in, and carried on playing. Bang. It's <laughs> amazing. Carried on playing. And that, and that is exactly what we need to do in life, you know? Mm. Get knocked down, get right back up. Throw Absolutely. your ball back in and start playing again. Huh? And you know what? That was ne very nearly the title of this podcast for a while. I thought <laughs> you get knocked back down, you get back up again. I remember that song where Chumba Wumba. It was very, very nearly that, ladies and gentlemen, I must say. Um, I want to go back to something you said a minute ago because I think it's really, really interesting. I mean, the way you described it was, you know, wanting God to to, to make a miracle happen. And I, and I, and I think people that are religious or spiritual will will understand that mindset and i think maybe even someone who's agnostic or atheist will will have a will understand a mindset of you know the world owes me something i yeah. suppose that could be an atheist way of looking at it or you know life's so unfair why am i not getting all of these things that might be a sort of another way of of framing it there seems to be a universal law whether it's through religion spirituality philosophy that once you accept where you're at and you then put positive energy out into the world which you can only do once you accept that actually like you say you can be the miracle you know absolutely and i've noticed that paradoxical thinking in my life throughout you know it's like it's like if i'm ungrateful about my life it's like the universe just gets the tap and goes you ain't getting any more mm. but then as soon as i'm grateful i seem to get stuff and i'm not i'm not talking about monetary stuff uh you know it can be relationships with my family and friends just feeling more joyful but as soon as i'm ungrateful so like I, I get nothing you know um and it sounds like 
that really started to happen for you. What happened on a sort of spiritual level for you once you accepted it? Did you did you feel the light sort of pull back in because of that? I think it was new life into me, man, Ali, because now I'm doing things, you know. And, you know, sometimes when when things are not going your way, try and do something for somebody else. Yeah. I try and do something for somebody else. It may not be in alignment with what you're not getting in your life, but go and help somebody else. Mm. Help somebody do something Yeah, that you wouldn't even do yourself. And yeah. see see the benefits of that there. You find happiness there. I couldn't you, agree more. You find, mm. you find a step forward. You know, you're doing something productive. You're helping someone. Yeah. You know, and I think that's helped me a lot in my life. I, I've been like that all my life. You know, I, I, I grew up like that there. You know, um, always thinking of, not thinking, but putting other people first. Mm. I know you get to a point in your life where you can't naturally do that all the time, but that's basically the foundation of any successful story or any, or should I say, slipping into a depressive mode Yeah, uh, is try and do something that makes somebody else happy. And you slip out of that very quickly. I couldn't agree it, more. Actually. I couldn't agree more with you. You know, I think I think particularly in my twenties, I was quite, um, I, yeah, hedonistic. I suppose it was about what what could I extract from the universe. You know, my mindset was I'm here for a short while. What what can I get? You know, and I was unhappy. You know, and and it was for me as well. It sounds like for you, it was about how how do I actually give back? How do I help somebody else? And that's been an absolute game changer for me as well. You know, it really really has. I think it's 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 kind of like the story of the alchemist. If you look at it, Ali, uh, he's a boy that just went on a journey, you know. Mm. And I think for a long time, for me, it was it was just sitting still, you know, thinking that I couldn't do anything. Mm. And then all of a sudden, opportunities started presenting themselves, albeit big or small or whatever it was. But the moment you start moving, life starts happening. Yeah, and obviously, basketball was. A pivotal thing in your story. Uh, I know we just spoke about it, and don't worry, I haven't forgotten about it because yeah. it's a massive thing. Um, like you say, you know, wasn't aware that this was going on. I would have thought as well the community, being around other, um, you know, other wheelchair users uh, who, who, you know, were in the, your situation was was that very healing as well. Just just being around other people in in the same boat. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it gave me a lot of confidence mm. to be around a tribe of my own kind of people, so to speak. Yeah. You know, guys that are experiencing the same things that I am experiencing. You know, guys that are, had actually walked, literally, not walked, but pushed, uh, pushed along in their life. They were, uh, they had a lot more experience than me. Mm. So learning from those guys and, and being able to pick up on, on things that, uh, that they had done uh, previously or, help to guide you down uh, certain roads it helps a lot yeah Ali. yeah and then automatically you get you you get confidence you know you start getting your confidence back and mm. and that for me is like it, it's super important yeah of course uh with a disability because what is a disability it's only being able to do things in different ways mm. you know it, it's it's going against the norm i mean mm. it, which is cool yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Bang on. You got to do something different. I mean, you guys uh, in London had the 2012 Paralympics. You could see what an amazing uh, mm. uh, uh, games that is. But go back and see where it started and, and what it started as. You know? Am I right, Justin, in thinking, I might have got this wrong, that you weren't really into basketball before this time? So I was into football. Yeah, and, and cricket. Uh, right. I mean, I was an ad avid sportsman. I grew up. Yeah, I know you're an avid sportsman, but like you weren't massively into basketball, though, right? Not at all. See, I only learned that researching you because I just assumed you were a great basketballer already. <laughs> so, how did that come about? Like, so I like contact sports, and yeah. uh, I like the team sports. I was very into team sports before uh, the, my accident. So, basketball was actually. Uh, it was actually the best platform for me. 
I mean, it was the first platform I was exposed to in uh, in wheelchair sports. But I took to it like a duck to water. Um, it's the transitional skills because your body starts learning again. Because, you know, you no matter what people say, physically you start getting stronger as well. You start getting your balance back. Mm-hmm. All those things start coming back. But why basketball, Ali? Because it's... It was just it just made perfect sense for yeah. me. Yeah. You know, it's fast, it's um it, it requires you to think quickly. Um it's 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 just it it's full contact, you know, it's not like where you just somebody in a wheelchair and throw a ball or albeit that's that's another sport for a different disability. And with no disrespect to that, but I prefer the full contact sports, you know. But the thing is, Justin, you didn't just play. I mean, this is this is crazy here, right? You you represented South Africa at the World Champs in two thousand six, and two Paralympics: Beijing two thousand eight and London twenty twelve. I know I said this earlier, but I think it's worth repeating. Your team became continental champions at the inaugural All African Games in Algeria two thousand and seven, and you became the first team from Africa to win a game at the Paralympics at Beijing two thousand and eight, and got to the quarterfinals. I mean, that's really high a level. Basketball. (laughs) (laughs) You know, to tell you, when we started, I didn't think of it like that. Mm. I always thought it was going to be just just a sport that was going to keep me busy. And then I really, when I got up to Johannesburg and uh, see at the Mandeville Center there, uh, all the uh, different provinces that had teams and guys that were competing. And you know what? We took it to another level, you know? And uh, I was fortunate that um, at the time, sponsors came, were starting to come in. So it made it a, a lot more easier for the team to get out and travel. We traveled a lot, uh, Oli. And as we traveled and we played other teams, we got better. You know, we got better. We were much stronger. And then we started challenging uh, the teams in Europe, which are about the best in the world, you know, um, wow. aside from Australia. But... Europe has all the talent there. I mean, right. they, they they had already formed a league. Their leagues were well established. You travel for six to eight months a year, maybe even more. Uh, you know, and to put ourselves against those guys, uh, you realize that you in, you in something professional. You know. Yeah. And um, that's what you, you want to be a part of. And as a sportsman. It's like being a kid in a candy shop, huh? <laughs> it's amazing, really. I mean, I I can be a little bit guilty for sort of overthinking things. I'm a bit of an overthinker. I'm just trying to put myself in your position. And I definitely think my mind would play this game. And there might be might not be something that's ever crossed your mind or, or you think is even valid to think about. But I think if I was in your position, I'd always think, yes, it was obviously terrible what happened to you. No, no question. But you got to go to the Olympics and have this amazing sports career, which, I mean, you might have had one anyway, right? I guess. Have you ever sort of gone down that thought process that if that bad thing hadn't have happened, you wouldn't have got this great thing? Have you, have you sort of played that out in your mind a few times or is that just me overthinking again? No, not at all. Ali, I think it always, when your life plays out, I mean, it's like if I had to look at myself 20 years before and this hadn't happened you yeah know? this this whole 20 years didn't happen if i was at that point i was a kid that was like just didn't see anything happening and as i said like you know as time goes on you start achieving things and those little things become bigger things and they become bigger th- and hopefully they become even more uh bigger things but if you ask me if I would have uh, thought that at that time, never. Mm. never. It's, it's amazing. I've I've um, I've just basically pulled out a couple more quotes, and then I'm going to ask you a question about the quote. If that's all right. So one I've got here is: I never thought of failure as a setback. Instead, I always thought of it as momentum, and I kept bouncing back with an abundance of optimism. Where do you think that mindset comes from? Do you think it's something that was instilled? in you as part of your upbringing or do you think there's just like a burning light that you inherently have that like refuses to go out i think there's a burning light in every one of us ollie i see uh, some of us have 
traumatic experiences uh, that allows that light to shine, you know, that allows that light to come out or that fighting spirit. Everyone has it in them. Mm. Um, it's just how it gets activated. And normally it's tragedy. Normally it's 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 a realization that you're going down the wrong road. It's like wrong roads have to be uh, made right. I mean, like, how do you know you, you, how do you know the light's on if you're not in darkness, you yeah. know? Yeah. So sometimes you got to go to those dark places and, and the light brings you through. But like failure is, is part of life, man. Yeah. If you really think of it. The, I mean, failure is, how would you know what success is if you don't fail? I mean, lots of successful people will put it down to how many times they've failed. There's yeah. nobody that just becomes successful over one or two failures. You gotta fail a thousand, maybe two thousand times. So anyone listening to this now, maybe isn't a like really dark spot. Maybe they've gone through something similar to what you experienced or something else, but they're in that that really low pain. I suppose you're saying, hold on, right? Just hold on. Absolutely. Mm. It, 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 it's about moving, keep moving. Keep moving. Don't stay stuck in a place. And it's very easy. Yeah. It's very easy to get stuck in a in a rut. Because sometimes people don't have that that shoulder to cry on or that support structure mm. that some some other people have. But you've gotta keep moving, man. Yeah. You've gotta keep moving. It's it, it, it's imperative. It, things happen. Things happen along the way. Mm. Another quote here, uh, life is big and messy and imperfect. It's simply part of being human. And yes, some of us struggle more than others and have to work harder just to show up every day. But you can't be beat the person who never gives up. I really, really like that. Um, I think the story we tell ourselves plays a big role in our mental health and, and our mental fortitude. And it, and it sounds like you sort of turned it around from maybe feeling, I don't want to put words in your mouth, like like a victim of something to actually... No, I'm actually the survivor of something, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna problem solve how how to navigate my way out of that. Did Did you find that the the story you told yourself around what happened and and who you are and your life started to change? Did you start seeing yourself as more of the hero in your story rather than maybe a victim of your story? Was there something around that, perhaps? Uh, I I've never looked at it as a victim. You know, I never looked at myself as a victim. I think more a victor. Mm. Cool. Uh, yeah. In the in the whole situation, and I think I said it in 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 the beginning, Ali. It's not how many times you you knock down; it's how many times you stand up. Yeah, you know, you, you if you get knocked down and you stay down, then you're knocked out. Yeah, you know. But if you stand up again, you've 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 earned the right to fight again. Yeah, you know? yeah. And um, I know it's not easy for 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 some people. I know the. That it's not as easy as I'm making it sound because being in that position, you can't stay down for a long time. Yeah, but just yeah. remember, they it's all it takes is one step and you back up again and mm. you just move forward from there. Mm. Thank you, Justin. Yeah, um, I've got another one here. Uh, there are many times. Um, there was many times that you felt overwhelmed, but it was really in these difficult moments that you persisted is another quote that I found. Is this something that you find that you have to sort of um, consciously still do? I guess what I'm asking is, are there times in life now where you can feel overwhelmed and you have to um, feel like you have to persist? Is it Has it become sort of a, like a natural thing that you do or is it something that you consciously do now? I think... I persist all the time, Ali. There's there's a lot of things in uh, in in my life I, I think would work with uh, with just your your normal personal life. You've got to persist with things, man. Mm. Got to remain constant, but at the same time, you got to push on yeah. uh, with things. And I think a person with a disability has to try a bit more harder than. An able-bodied person, if I can say that, there. Right, right. You, you've got to stand up and be counted, and it's not easy. But you've got to persist, man. Yeah, yeah I agree. And how are things in South Africa? 
you know, being a person with a disability, um, I came across an article uh, a few years ago now, I think it was 2014, where you were denied access into a nightclub. Um, how are things in South Africa um, for someone like yourself? Um, is there still discrimination? Yeah, just how, how does the land lie with that over here? So it, it's it's changed since then, yeah. since uh, th that incident. But um, look, I, I think... In terms of what we are doing in in our country at the moment, in mm. terms of every new building that's built, uh, there are architects and planners that are accommodating places. Uh, I mean, I mean, not accommodating places, but accommodating people with disabilities when they're building those buildings, parking spots, uh, toilet facilities, ramps that are built in in uh, accordingly. Uh, you can't change pretty much the old stuff that's uh, that's still there, but you can see there's progress. I mean, we're fortunate here in Durban. We it's fairly flat. I mean, Cape Town's the same as well. Yeah, but um, I think we're moving in in the right direction in, in terms of people with the. Uh, with disabilities, I don't think we got it hundred percent right. I don't think anybody's got a hundred percent right. Mm. But uh, we're getting there, and I think it's it's got a lot to do with that Paralympic team. The South African Paralympic team's probably rated in top ten in the world. Wow! Uh, and for a for a long period of time, and we've had some highly successful uh, athletes along the way that has raised a lot of awareness across the country. So yeah, I think. Corporates bought into it, and every new building that's being built is now accommodating people with disabilities. So I think that's a step in the hundred percent step in the right direction. Yeah, mm, that's really good to hear. It's really good to hear. Um, hope you don't mind me asking you a slightly personal question here. Um, I guess this is really for somebody that might find themselves recently a wheelchair user particularly someone maybe around a similar age or not. Um, I know you're happily married. Yeah. Um, and if my maths is correct, you've been married 14 years. I got that right. Yes. See, now I'm going to get you in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think you met your wife after uh, you had the injury. Is that right? That's correct, yeah. For anyone who finds themselves in the situation and they're maybe worried about dating or meeting somebody else, have you got any advice for anybody in that situation? Because you clearly met your your other half, you know, after the incident. And got any sort of advice or tips around sort of dating or any worries you might have? I appreciate this is a slightly personal question. Yeah. No, I appreciate the question because I, I think there's a lot of guys uh, and girls with disabilities that are shy or scared. To do it, I was that person as well. Very shy, very reserved in terms of uh, how was I going to explain my disability to someone. I would always think that there. Or would the person accept me just uh, with my wheelchair? It's it's often thoughts that go to your mind. But, you know, my wife's an amazing person. And I just like to say that there are those amazing people out there. you got to find yeah. them. And if I can give any advice to any person with a disability, be open, honest, be transparent. Don't be scared to to discuss things that uh, uh, you'd otherwise feel uncomfortable about. If you feel uncomfortable about something or if somebody feels uncomfortable about it, there's an explanation for it. And you're the best person that can explain that. Mm. And, I mean, if it if it's not something that somebody like so can accept then you move on right you move on because you're going to find that person that's going to accept you for who you are absolutely absolutely um do you find that mental health in general uh for you is something that you have to maintain in any way the only reason i ask that is a lot of the guests i have on um they sort of talk a lot about having to sort of keep it maintained in the same way that a physical person you know does at the gym you know you go to the gym is there certain things that you're aware that you do to kind of keep in this you know optimistic strong headspace yeah. that you clearly are today or is it just something that happens naturally for you now i actually like that question and i think in terms of the the time that we are living in and with social media and with things that are just posted 
uh, across uh, public platforms or people just get to see uh, those platforms where they get to say what they want to say or just have an explosion in their minds and they express themselves on mm. these platforms. Uh, I feel there's a lot of negativity uh, mm. in terms of what we see through social media yeah. or uh, what is posted uh, on things. I think there's there's a lot of things for kids uh, out there that they shouldn't be seeing. And I think we're seeing there are a lot of kids feel like they're missing out on, on certain things, you know, through social media. So for myself, what I do is I, in order to keep positive, I like listening to motivational things. You know, people's life stories, um, hmm. uh, people that have gone through life and experienced things and have come out on the, the, the right end of things, for yeah. example. Or I listen to positive music rather than... than so you're going to love my podcast to... then, Justin. You're going <laughs> to be tuning into every episode. Clearly. No, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Ali, I, I believe these kind of platforms are hmm. highly important, especially in the times that we're living in. It's very easy for people to slip into... Um, Slip into a mindset like uh, you know I'm I'm missing out on something. Mm. Or uh, social media breeds that, doesn't it? A fear of missing out. You always feel like someone's having a better life doing something somewhere else, you know, because social media kind of yeah it, gives that story. Look, it, it comes down to how many views you get, how many likes you get. I mean, some people, if you don't like their photos, they will ask you, you know, uh, <laughs> why didn't you like my photo? Right. Or they didn't get a reaction out of you, and they 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 think that this person's uh, saying something about you or somebody mm. posts something and they, they read it and it's like, why is this guy talking about me yeah. like this? Yeah. But it's people living in your mind for free, really yeah. free. Yeah. And uh, I really feel that like we need to start living again <laughs> Yeah. in terms of the real world and not in our phones. Look, I, I think it, it it's a conversation for mm. some other time, but to yeah. get back to what you're saying, Ali, I... I, I read positive things. I like reading sports stories, for example. You know, people that have tried that have taken adversity and turned it around. Yeah, those are the, uh, my kinds of things that I like to uh, like to read. Things I like to listen to. Things that are positive. Yeah, you know, spreading a bit of love around. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. And does that apply me. to things like music as well? And that's yeah. it. And like, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of negativity everywhere. Mm -hmm. If you look at it, I mean, you look at all the stories that actually get people looking. What is it? Mm. It's shock marketing. Yeah. You 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 look at how people post things of people getting hit or yeah. or somebody getting knocked or it's an accident. Somebody getting shot. Those kind of things are attract more attention than than anything else. Yeah. And that's why these platforms are important yeah thanks justin i, I think um <laughs> i'm really shocked by the time because we're actually yeah. running out of time here. this is crazy the, la the last hour is just absolutely flown by just like do a double double take at my watch um you i think would be an ideal guest to ask this question to um obviously not everyone is going to experience the rock bottom that you've described you know but i think a lot of people it's very common for a lot of people to feel stuck in some way in their life, just just stuck. And and yours was a you know a big example of that, you know, and it was a very dramatic way to feel stuck, literally. Um, but if anyone's just feeling stuck in their life and feeling like you know they've got nowhere to turn, maybe feeling a bit claustrophobic about where they are, what advice would you have for somebody who wants to sort of make a, a change of mindset and and of maybe ambition in their life? I think it, it it's it's very simple. Make that change. Yeah. Yeah. You've you. I think lots of us procrastinate, Ali, myself, as well. But as soon as you take that uh, that first step, and then you build on that, there, you know, you you just positive things start happening in that direction. Yeah. You will find that like uh, if you if you sit back and you say I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, you you'll stay in your rut but mm. take that first step and be your own miracle like you said early on yeah be your yeah. own miracle man and uh, at the end of the day whatever you put your mind to you can do it huh? you can do it and it it starts with one simple action yeah maybe to end on this question potentially quite difficult um 
you generously shared at the beginning the moment in the hospital uh, quite vividly you know your family being around you in hospital and how and how how much pain you were physically and mentally um if you could go back in time and be in that room and speak to yourself you know as that 17 year old and it's just happened as upset and distressed as you were what what do you think you might say to that Justin who's 17 everything's going to be okay cuz there is there's nothing you are not going to achieve there's nothing you're not going to achieve you you just got to keep moving yeah that's it and yeah it's going to be okay oh uh, Justin I could speak to you for so much longer mate uh, I really appreciate you coming on here and just spilling your guts and your story to help other people. It's it's highly commendable, and I really, really appreciate it. It's a great ex excuse to see you in Durban as well, isn't it? Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Totally, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll hang out more before I go. Um, but, you know, Justin, thank you so much, mate. I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll have a little conversation uh, off air um, there might be a couple of links that we put in the show notes if there's any organizations you want to talk about. And obviously, I'll, you know, any other links to Justin or his social media, perhaps, uh, you know, I'll put it all in the show notes there. Um, but Justin, thanks again, mate. Wow. Appreciate it, Ali. Hey, thanks. really, really, it's been a pleasure the last hour. Um, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, please like, review, share, share this with your friends. Um, yeah, do write a review. Apparently that really helps the algorithm, apparently. So yeah, do that. That would be great. Um, and as always, there's going to be another episode in two weeks' time. Uh, unfortunately, the next episode won't be in Durban, South Africa. I'll, uh, I'll be back in London. But um, yeah, hopefully I'll find a good excuse to come here again and interview some more uh, amazing South Africans. And by the way, if you are listening to this in South Africa and you want to be on the show, uh, reach out because I do plan on coming back. And uh, I just want to thank East Coast Radio as well. I mean, this is an incredible studio. This is absolutely brilliant. So thank you, East Coast Radio as well. Um, I've got a great contact here now. Um, so yeah, hopefully doing a few more of these. Um, but anyway, I will shut up now and I will see you guys in two weeks time. Take care of yourself. Thank you.